Hello, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Beautiful Podcast. This is your host, Michael Chan. You can probably already tell that the sound quality is a little bit diminished than it normally is. I am currently uh, sort of on vacation. I'm actually in Arizona right now getting ready for a mule deer hunt that's going to start pretty soon. And so I'm away from my normal recording facilities. That also means that there's been a bit of a delay in getting this week's episode out. And that all the episode's going to be a little bit different too. I thought I'd take advantage of my um, uh, kind of time away to experiment with a different sort of content. Um, normally, of course, Gospel Beautiful is, is interview-based, and I really prefer it that way. I think my own gifts are uh, have to do with the ability to pose questions in interesting and, and ways that uh, um, uh, uh, sort of dislodge interesting thoughts and reflections from authors. I just personally feel like that's where my strength is, not so much in monologuing. Uh, uh, I, I don't necessarily think that's a strength, but I did want to experiment a little bit with some different content this time by actually reading an essay, maybe even commenting a little bit, on a recent essay I did on churchanew.org. Uh, Church Anew is a blog. Uh, there are many more famous names associated with this project than me. Walter Brueggemann does a lot with Church Anew. In fact, I think he helped to found it. My friend and colleague Eric Barreto over at Princeton has uh, done quite a bit of work for it as well. It's a great resource. I feel like it has an interesting edge to it that I don't see in a lot of other places. So um, so I was, I was great for invitation to uh, write a little bit of something. And so what I want to do in this episode, it's going to be a little shorter than normal, but I want to, I want to read that essay to you, uh, uh, and sort of voice it over as it were. Maybe I'll provide a couple of interlinear comments or something like that, but really I was just interested in getting this essay out there. I was playing with a few ideas that, um, that I had not played with in the past. And so I really am hoping to welcome all, you know, invite all of you to, uh, it's provided me with feedback on a couple different things. One, um, I need to know if you like this format. I uh, Just to be clear, I am not interested in taking Gospel Beautiful in a direction where I would be uh, sort of monologuing. It's just really not what I enjoy doing. I get bored um, <laughs> talking in a monologue kind of way. I don't think it's as valuable for me. It's about the discourse. It's about the conversation. But on occasion, I do write things that I want to get feedback on. And this is one of those things where I feel like I took a little bit of a risk and tried to experiment with a different kind of writing. And so, um, I thought, you know what, I should at least try that out a bit on my gospel, beautiful audience, because all of you are, are really good about, uh, kind of providing feedback and, and things like that. So, um, so this is going to be kind of a bare bones episode. Uh, I don't have my normal access to kind of all my advertisements and stuff, but I will just, I will plug uh, a couple different things. One is huge shout out and thanks to Studio Two Ceramics, Grace and Jim. These people are amazing. Uh, check out my Facebook feed and you'll see where I um, uh, just recently bought a new unicorn mug for my daughter. They are so they're extremely creative. Um, I love these people, and it's really not, they're not just business people. These are people who are doing a ministry by means of art and they're able to do that in non-COVID times in some interesting ways through like classes and community uh, community resources that they can't do now or at least they're, they have to sort of do it in a different kind of way. So Studio 2 Ceramics, you can get a discount with them 
their their stuff their their pottery their art makes really great gifts but you can get a discount 10% off using the uh, the the code gospel so you can find their store on etsy uh, also find them on facebook studio 2 ceramics it's the number 2 um next i want to thank brian schrader uh, at uh, Worship Forward. He has a great blog there and resources. Um, and and he's, what he's really trying to do, in, from my perspective, is, is help uh, worship leaders who find themselves in like a more, like more progressive conversation or a congregations or who are themselves more progressive, but they want, they often find that the um, normal contemporary worship, like the contemporary worship that you see coming out of um, maybe like a place like Hillsong or something like that, doesn't always touch on these deep and important, I think really important themes of, of, of justice and, 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 uh, of love for creation and all kinds of different things. And Brian is really good about helping people um, develop worship in, uh, with that kind of accent. And so check out his blog, Worship Forward. Um, and uh, Brian is just fantastic. You can hear my conversation with Brian. I actually did an interview with him. Oh, it's now been a couple months, a couple months ago. And I, you'll get a really good sense of the uh, of the kind of person Brian is and also um, uh, just the kind of work that he's interested in doing. I think it's really innovative. I actually think he inhabits this. It's just such an interesting space to inhabit to, you know, the genre of, of, of contemporary music is deeply grounded in evangelicalism and of course, Pentecostal and uh, charismatic forms of Christianity. And, and as a result, those are, you know, just tend to be more conservative, um, uh, corners of Christianity. And so I have not seen anybody, uh, kind of effectively and I think faithfully execute on uh, sort of developing progressive oriented justice oriented actually I prefer I would personally prefer to say justice oriented um, and and progressive oriented uh, uh, resources um, for uh, uh, for worship leaders and so Brian does that extremely effectively and I'm grateful to him for all the work that he's doing in the ways that he's just pushing limits in uh it, it, with questions that i think um uh, uh that i think are really important so way to go brian check out his stuff uh, and then finally also um you all you all hear you know sarah renner's intro music and so go check out her amazing line of of soul music and worship music sarah's just a blessing on this earth so thanks to sarah renner um i think that's it those are all of our sponsors so now what i want to do is i want to turn to this essay and i want to read it Maybe I'll comment on it, hopefully not too much, <laughs> so as not to bore you. Um, you will, of course, put the link to this blog post uh, in the notes below, so that should be easy for you to access. But if you <laughs> if you, you know, just want to search for it on your own, go to churchanew.org and use the search function there. You can just type in my name, Michael Chan, and you'll find it. Okay, so this essay is titled Return to Normalcy and Other Flesh Pots, okay? So there's the there's the title. <clears throat> oh, in the text, this comes from the Common English Bible Translation of Matthew 10:34. Don't think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword. Uh, Jesus words, right? These are in first person form, but those are Jesus words. <laughs> Matthew 10:34. Don't think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword. So that's the um, opening verse. <laughs> okay, now to the essay. In the current political environment, 
Many Americans are hoping for a return to normalcy. Such a pitch plucks at the heartstrings of many who are ready to vomit after too many sharp turns on the 2020 roller coaster. Many of us just want to get back to the way things were, when masks were just a curious feature of foreign travelers, when visiting family didn't require risk assessment, when scandalizing tweets didn't hijack our news cycle, when church participation didn't require a Zoom account, when outlets uh, weren't so clearly fueled and funded by rage, and when we didn't have to squirm under the constant accusation of racism. The return to normalcy argument derives its power from the common and often beneficial human impulses to avoid conflict, stabilize life when it gets knocked off balance, resolve contradiction, organize chaos, and believe that we are good and decent people with upright intentions. On, this long, on its long trip from Egypt to Canaan, ancient Israel experienced a similar urge to return to a more familiar and comfortable past. And here I refer to Exodus 16, verse 3. <laughs> the only problem was that their memory, meaning Israel's memory of the past, was distorted. They remembered the flesh pots, but not the chains. Ironically, the promised, quote, return to normalcy, unquote, means that 2020, like 2016, will be an election about nostalgia. <laughs> There's a, and I actually link there an interesting uh, Vox article that, that really lifts this up. I think actually Ezra Klein may have written it, but I, I don't remember that exactly. But I think it's right when, when the article says that both Biden and Trump are running nostalgia campaigns. And from my perspective, I'm going off script here, obviously. Uh, from my perspective, the, the kind of emphasis on nostalgia... That is an interesting kind of bit of commentary. The fact that both of these campaigns think that nostalgia works at this moment, I think that's kind of fascinating. I think it's at least worth, you know, reflecting on why is it that that, that, um, that uh, these campaigns think that nostalgia is what the electorate is interesting, interested in right now. <laughs> okay, just a second. I'm going to continue for some reason my phone decided to reload the page and now I have to read it over again. Just give me a second. Reload, reload, reload. While we're waiting, just a reminder again, this is on the churchanew.org blog. This is a relatively new, a relatively new blog and there are some interesting, uh, interesting writers, interesting voices there. So definitely check it out. <laughs> okay, back to the text. So, um, Ironically, I said that the promised return to normalcy means that 2020, like 2016, is going to be a uh, is going to be an election about nostalgia. But one thing sets 2020 apart from 2016: clarity. 2020 has seen the sins of generations washing up on the shores of our nation in ways that are profoundly public and profoundly painful. 2020 in my perspective, has been a year of judgment. When sinful seeds planted long ago are coming into maturity in ways that have compounding effects. If divine judgment does one thing well, it brings into focus what was previously obscured or even ignored, separating, as Matthew 3 and 25 say, wheat from husk. 
uh, wheat from husk and sheep from goats. That is one of the interesting kind of light motifs. I'm going off script here that I have been trying to think about when I, when I teach on judgment texts, because I get to teach on these judgment texts all the time when I teach about apocalypse, uh, apocalyptic literature, when I teach about, you know, the prophets, judgment is all over the place. And part of the reason judgment is terrifying is because the, the day of the Lord, right, which is the phrase that's often used, especially in the minor prophets, to talk about, in most cases, this kind of day of judgment or the day when, um, when, when, uh, um, when God is going to appear and, uh, uh, often, you know, it's quite violent and and creation often responds in some interesting ways. But in those texts, judgment is often an act of exposure, like exposing a person or a system or a set of persons or a kingdom, whatever it is. It's a moment when those things are exposed for what they actually are. Um, One of the great kind of theotic problems or problems of theodicy within the Hebrew Bible is that the wicked can keep go on going on living and and it seems like they are prospering right it seems like they are prospering what judgment does is it removes that seems right that part <laughs> that it seems like they are prospering and, and what judgment does is expose things for the way that they actually are it brings things into the light um, and so I, it, from my perspective, we are living in just such a moment when, uh, when the day of the Lord is here, when things are being exposed, when the husk is being separated from the wheat and the sheep are being separated from the goats. I would say we live in just such a moment. <laughs> the fire of God's judgment, back to the text, allows us to see ourselves as we truly are before God's law of love. We are, I think as a country, in a painful process in which our national eyes are slowly and reluctantly opening to truths that some in our population have suffered under for ages. 2020 has brought clarity (laughs) about many particular things. Clarity about racial disparities. Clarity about the dangers of poor leadership. Clarity about the weaknesses in our social fabric. Clarity about the deep importance of robust free speech and assembly rights. Clarity about the deficiencies in our healthcare system. Clarity about the disrepair of the international order. And clarity about how lines of discrimination can exist in reality, even if they don't exist uh, legally. (laughs) But clarity is painful and it's also costly. Clarity stings in the way that Nathan's word to da- words to David must have stung when he said, quote, you are that man, 2 Samuel 12, 7. It crashes down on us like the waters crash down on Pharaoh's armies at the sea. And it brings us face to face with one of the most disturbing aspects of Jesus' ministry, confrontation. Jesus' ministry was inherently confrontational, as the text above, Matthew 10, 34, indicates. Don't think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I haven't come to bring peace but a sword. Matthew's Jesus is an apocalyptic figure. I sometimes like to say that Matthew's Jesus is a fire-breathing dragon, and I think this is right, in part because I want people to get shocked a little bit out of this image of sort of Jesus meek and mild, smiling all the time with his arms out stretched to everybody, I think that vision of Jesus is, um, well, let's just say it's easily marketable, but it quickly falls apart like a cheap suit when you actually start reading the Gospels. So anyways, Jesus 
is an apocalyptic figure in Matthew whose conflict with the powers of sin, death, and the devil are borne out through the Gospels. He recognized that true peace actually requires confrontation. Like the late John Lewis, whom we just lost, right? Jesus was a troublemaker. The good kind. <clears throat> when Jesus came to town, the powers of sin, death, and the devil surfaced. They were exposed. The demons showed their faces, not because they were powerful, but in fact because they were vulnerable. Jesus' presence makes the demons tremble, is another way of saying it. As the apocalyptic sword of divine judgment sweeps through our own land, ancient demons are emerging from their lairs with the kind of ferocity that comes only from desperation. In the apocalypse, the last thing we need is a return to normalcy. Americans face an important question. Are we willing to exchange the moral clarity of this moment for a distorted memory of the past? Is a return to normalcy really what is called for? We ought to be concerned when and if return to normalcy is heard as a summons to a time when we saw less clearly, when we were easily, when we more easily overlooked our neighbor's weathered face and scarred hands. The precious gift of moral clarity at this time of judgment is utterly invaluable, and we ought not substitute that clarity for a morally dull sense of comfort. So um, that's the that's the essay. I hope that was a little bit helpful to all of you. Like I said, I I feel like I'm pushing into some new areas here just for myself personally, not new in the sense that nobody's ever thought of them, new for me. Um, it's a different kind of writing than I'm used to doing, but, and so I would absolutely appreciate hearing uh, from any of you, uh, again, on two things. One, I'd love to know what you think about the essay. If you think it's garbage, that's great. <laughs> Tell me it. We'll have a fun conversation. If you think it's great, that's awesome. Please share it with people. Share the podcast. I love all of that. But then I'd also be interested to hear, hear if if you all like this kind of content, if you think it's valuable, and if you think it kind of properly fits under the broader house of Gospel Beautiful. Again, I have no interest in turning this into a monologue podcast. Uh, I think occasionally I write things that I would like to kind of have more broad feedback on. And so I think on occasion, maybe once every month and a half or something, there might be an opportunity to push out this kind of content in through, through the, uh, through audio waves. And if you all appreciate that, I would really like to know about it. So now, um, I'm going to sign off. It is, I'm recording. I don't have access to, uh, you know, like a recording studio the way I do at my house. So I'm literally recording this in my truck in Arizona where it is like 99 degrees and I don't have the AC on because that would ruin the audio quality. It's already bad enough. Why make it worse? Um, So I'm going to cut this off right now so that I can go, uh, you know, um, cool off a little bit on the inside. I hope all of you are doing well. I will look forward to returning to kind of normal programming relatively soon. I'm thinking within the next week and a half, I'll be able to have out our next episode. We have some amazing episodes. I actually think the next one is with Michael Moyna. I have to double check that. Michael Moyna is with the Fresh Expressions Expressions Movement in the UK. And, uh... Really fascinating. I recently read uh, recently read his book, which we'll talk a lot about. And there are just some fascinating things going on in the UK um, uh, around the gathering of unique Christian communities. I think you all are going to learn a lot. We have an upcoming interview with Gary Simpson, my colleague at Luther, who just retired. Gary has been engaged in some really big and important questions for his entire career, and I'm 
looking forward to doing kind of a retrospective with him or we did a retrospective and I'm looking forward to pushing that out to you also. Blessings, everyone. I will talk with you soon. Thanks for tolerating the study. All right. Thanks. Bye.